Hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Dude. What just happened? I thought it was my episode, so I wasn't sure if I started what? off. <laughs> I am literally gobsmacked. My, my gob is smacked. Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. And apparently, Pete DeMeo, who tries to jump in. Hey, everybody. I didn't know. Like I said, this was my episode. Well, you so put I wasn't the notes sure if I together. To start it off or not. Pete is unacceptable behavior. We've, People like routine, they do not like change. You cannot. We've cannot only been this. doing this for 134 times. You okay. can't expect me to have it all figured out. This now. is true. So if you're tuning in to the first, for the first time and you are wondering why in the world you're listening to this nonsense, we are a hotel marketing podcast and we talk about all things hotel related. And uh, usually there's some wisdom in there. Sometimes there's some knowledge and occasionally there's some entertainment. So today we're going to try to infuse all three of those into an episode that you're calling what, Pete? Five things every small hotelier needs to be doing to compete today. And we'll, we'll be specifically talking about small hotels and what you count that as under 100 units that works yeah what if i'm 101 units then you'll need to listen to another podcast <laughs> everything five things every small hotelier who has a 101 room property should be doing all right that'll be next week's episode yeah. well the, the, i think a lot of these having read through the notes i think a lot of these things you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander so whether regardless of your size I think some of this, this stuff applies, right? But it, it's especially important for smaller properties who maybe struggle to compete with the flags and, you know, over-reliant on the OTAs and things like that. So. Yeah, it kind of goes back to way back in episode 58. We had a podcast that was how to market your hotel on a shoestring budget. Yeah. I think this kind of ties into that a little bit because if you have less than 100 rooms, if you have less than 50 rooms even, mm. your marketing budget is not going to compete head-to-head with a big brand, big flag, or an OTA. Yeah, or even like an independent that's got 700 rooms in a casino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So, this is a, what I would consider a scrappy episode. It's where you can roll your sleeves up and figure some stuff out and do it on your own without spending a whole lot of money. I exactly. Like, I like those kind of episodes. Good stuff. So, before we jump into that, let's see what's going on in the news of ruse. Alrighty, that means that's the thing. It does. I was seeing, right. I was looking at you and Melissa and seeing who was going <laughs> to jump in. All right, here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news News. Sorry if you don't like that jingle because we love it. It is the best jingle in all of podcasting. Really I was is. thinking about this morning and it actually doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I assume we all know that, right? <laughs> Hotel marketing that cannot lose. But it rhymes. It does. That's, and that's the most all important. that ruse and lose. Yeah. I, I always thought we, we all assumed and knew that it didn't make sense, that, and that's what made it funny. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure they know that we know. You, and you know that you came up with that jingle, mm-hmm. right? I do. That came out of your brain. That was first draft, and we just locked on it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you didn't edit. You didn't iterate on the original idea. No, there's not like this big storyboard of ideas that I went through. Wow. Well, maybe, hey, if maybe someone I listening has a, has a better idea <laughs> for a jingle for the news or then feel free to send it in to info at fueltravel.com. There you go. So, Melissa, we sort of have a news or this week. It's not really it's, a news or it's, it's more of It's an item of interest. Yeah. I'm calling it that. All right, let's, let's do a different jingle, Pete. Item of interest. Can you believe 
Now it's time to roll up our sleeves. <laughs> you're, you're good at this. I love it. You missed your calling and jingle writing. I That's did. right. All right. So today's item of interest, I wish it was a stat of the week or something, but yeah. just an item of interest, is that a guitar-shaped hard rock hotel opened in Hollywood, Florida. And I bring this up because we always talk about unique propositions that every property has. And you know what? If you're going to be a hard rock hotel, why not look like an instrument? Lean I in. think that's yeah. freaking it. awesome. And the pictures of this hotel are really damn cool, I have to say. They certainly turned it up to 11, didn't they? They turned it up to 11. Yeah. And I, I think personally that this is going to be a trend as, as we see a continuation of mergers and acquisitions we see a squeezing of the industry through google's domination you know as as the otas kind of adapt as the the flags become bigger and and more dominant smaller properties and i'm not saying that hard rocks per se is a small property because it's not you know it's 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 got a bunch of properties but it's not in the same scale as as a marriott but people are going to have to find ways to differentiate themselves and stand out in the crowd and create a unique you know, value proposition that's novel, that is going to be noteworthy, remarkable, that people are going to gravitate towards. That's the only way people are going to be able to compete in this world that we're heading towards where Google is going to own every consumer. You know who else has a unique proposition about who they are and really owning their brand? Who's that? It's the Dog Bark Park Inn in Idaho. Okay. You can go to this bed and breakfast and literally stay in a bed and breakfast that is shaped like a beagle. <laughs> <laughs> it is shaped like a beagle. And the whole interior, all the decorations are all beagle related. Wow. What if I don't like dogs? Then you probably shouldn't go there. I don't know how many people go to this place in Idaho. I don't know what kind of a tourist attraction that is, mm -hmm. but it is... It's a, it, it's so As a dog cute. lover, it's something you would want it's, to go to. It's freaking adorable. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about that in this episode about differentiating yourself. And that, that is a great example of leaning into your brand and who you are. And Melissa, you, you shared an interesting video with the team earlier today, which is not hotel related, but it's indicative of this. Where, yes. You know, not only are people leaning into their brand in terms of the product, but also their marketing. So you want to tell us a story about the Alamo Theater? So it's the Alamo Draft House posted a YouTube video of a recording of a consumer that was kicked out of their movie theater by them because they do not allow texting or people talking or anything like that. And this person was kicked out for using their cell phone and she had something to say about it. Oh, she was dropping some very offensive language at them. But it was really funny, and what I love about this is that they're known for being zero, to you know, zero tolerance on people texting and, and phones. That's why people choose to go there. So leaning into that and saying, "Hey, we upset this one person, but we're doing this for you guys because you're the the reason we have that rule," is great. If I lived in Austin, Texas, I would exclusively go to this movie theater now because there's nothing more annoying than people texting or talking during, it's so during a film and and this video was posted apparently in 2011 it has almost 5 million views it's got 44,000 likes and I went through a lot of the comments and almost all of them were like I want to go here exactly. you did the right yeah. thing so she, they lost that one customer they, and she was very disgruntled and yeah, she, she was. You know, she sounded like a spoiled millennial is what she sounded like right? a very entitled person 
because how dare you? You know, I text it. She even made the comment, I text at every movie theater I go to and I've never been kicked no, out. It's yeah. like, you are the worst. You're absolute worst. I, I would love to talk to that person now and see if their opinion has changed. But this is an example of where you have to sometimes make a choice, right? Just like with the Beagle Hotel, it's going to alienate some people. Like I, I, I for, for one, I'm not afraid to say I'm not a, a dog person. And I would never stay at that property. It appeals to mm-hmm. me absolutely zero. But for every one of me, there's probably a dozen Melissas that would absolutely love that. Right. So you've got to own it. You've got to lean into it and know that you're not going to be right for 100% of people. But, and that's okay. But for the people you are right for, they're going to love you. And they're going to become brand ambassadors and evangelists for you. And, and they're going to make your job of marketing a lot, lot easier. And that's the difference between the major flags, the massive properties, and the smaller properties that we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Is Marriott has to appeal to just about everybody. A mom and pop with a couple of rooms does not. They can be very unique. They can... They can be appealing to their specific audience because if they have 20 rooms to fill, they only have to fill those 20 rooms. It's incredibly important that they fill all 20 because obviously they have you know, a much bigger issue with vacancy than anybody else would have. But you only have to fill those 20 rooms with 20 true fans. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a little different because with the big flags, like Marriott has a lot of different brands under that, right? 30 yep. plus in, in each one. Is subtly different. I think there's a, they're less different than Merritt would like to think they are, but they still differentiate in certain ways with amenities, with price point, with location, stuff like that. So there's a little wriggle room, but if you go to an, I was going to say a loft, that's a bad example. If you go to a Spring Hill Suites in Columbia, South Carolina, and then you go to one in Austin, Texas, the experience is going to be almost the same. You know, the front desk might be a little different. You know, the bar area might be a little different. But for the most part, it's going to be very, very similar. The rooms certainly are. You know, a lofts are a little more flexible, but they're still not as unique as what we're talking about mm-hmm. here with these these types of properties. So, yeah. So we own can, who you are. Yeah. Be you. Yeah, and and put a pin in that because we may come back to that towards the end of the episode. Right. It's foreshadowing right there. It is foreshadowing. All right. So, Pete, I have a bone to pick with you. When you first sent out these notes. And it looks like you've rectified this now. But this was a top five list, and you didn't have numbers. I didn't have numbers. You just had the each item listed out. Well, and to be fair, I actually have six items on here. Well, we like to do that, <coughs> like have bonuses. I always, yeah, I always put a bonus at the end. Yeah, that's, you know, always under promise, over deliver. That's, that's our motto here at Fuel. Yep. So, Next right. time, I'm going to just start ordering them in some random, random order. Like three, four, <laughs> yeah. two, one. Oh, that would <coughs> drive me nuts. That would absolutely, the OCD side of me would, would not like that at all. That That's also foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So, so yeah. do you want to jump into number one? Yeah. So the whole, and before we do that, the whole idea here is you have a tight budget and there are certain things that when we meet with a lot of times new clients that we see they're missing. And when you miss these items that we're going to cover, it's going to impact all of your other marketing. So these are the fundamentals really with the first one that you need to get right before you go in and start doing all of the wild and crazy ideas you have, make sure you're doing these five things so you can set a good foundation for your success. The first one is embrace the cloud-based PMS or a good PMS to start with, which will typically be cloud-based. 
at this point. And this is one of the things where we see more and more small hoteliers falling behind the power curve because they're using an old legacy system and they're trying to compete against other small properties or even big flags that have such a huge technological advantage from a rate perspective, from a management perspective that the small guy just can't compete. So you need to have a good PMS. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because depending on your type of property, there's a massive advantage to the type of PMS that you choose. So for mm -hmm. example, if you're a big resort property, you probably need one of these older legacy systems that have more robust feature sets. So we're not saying that those those systems aren't good systems because a lot of them really are and we're partners with a lot of right. them, right? But if you're a small property and you don't need that level of sophistication, those kind of extreme features, you only got you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 rooms and you're not doing a whole lot of yielding and, and crazy stuff like that. There's a lot of products that I would say in the middle ground that are really good. But on the flip side, there are people that will go to the cheapest PMS they can find. And there, there are some garbage PMSs out there that you can pay a couple of dollars a month per room or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And they just, they don't cut it. You know, the support's not going to be good. The access to integration is not going to be good. There's a lot of trade-offs when you go cheap. So don't necessarily go cheap or go cloud-based for the sake of it. Find that that kind of sweet spot in between. So we have one person that we, or one group we've worked with in the past. And we were auditing their property management system and their booking engine. And there was Y2K code on their booking engine in the year 2019 is when this came up. So that means their booking engine is well over 20 plus years old because that stuff was put in place as a patch for the year 2000. So they're already <laughs> patching a system from the 90s that the person is still using in 2019. So, so putting that in perspective though, so it had to have been built significantly prior to 2000 because right. for at least five years prior to 2000, people were already aware of you couldn't use a two-digit year, you had to use a four-digit year. Right. So, man, you're talking about something that's probably 25 plus years old at this point. Right. And then that creates all those problems of I'm trying to yield my rate. I'm trying to make sure that I have specials that are easily bookable and all this other stuff that you expect your PMS to do. And it's just, it just doesn't exist because it's such antiquated technology. So it can be a pain, but if your PMS is not cutting it, you need to start looking. And we'll kind of give you a couple yeah. ideas of things to look for, but understand that this needs to be something that you focus on. Yeah, and I think people look at the PMS the wrong way. They, they look at it as a, a line item expense exclusively, right? And, and so they also look at it as people hate change. I'm going to alienate all of my staff by switching PMS. Mm -hmm. and, and you hear a lot that um, all PMSs have problems. You're just trading one set of problems for another set of problems, mm -hmm. which is true to, to a degree. But I think if you go in with your eyes open, if you know what the limitations of your current system are, and you know that el eliminating some of those limitations will yield an improvement in your ability to market and drive revenue, the ROI is right there, right? If you, mm -hmm. if you have a system that doesn't allow say a really cool booking engine, like the fuel hotel booking engine, then, and you're stuck with the PMS's own booking engine and it means that you're not converting well because it's not mobile friendly, something like that. Just switching PMS and getting a good booking engine is gonna show a tremendous growth in, in not just you know the revenue coming from your website, but the performance of every campaign that you're doing. Mm -hmm.
that's like you were saying earlier how it's it, it trickles it's, it affects everything the yeah, pms it, is the foundation it, it absolutely is and you know, come the things that you do want to look at i would say the very first one is mobile usability and this is not mobile usability in terms of the booking engine hmm. obviously that needs to be mobile but how do you use the pms if you're a small hotelier you're on the move your front desk staff may not have the devices that they need from a desktop perspective. Or if you're a newer property, you may only be running on tablets and whatnot. So make sure that your PMS is usable in the way you use it. Get out from behind that counter and interact with your guest. Check them in. You don't have to fall in line with that the big property mentality. Yeah, don't fall into the trap, though, of trying to automate that process. I think I think... I'm going to do an episode on this soon because that, that seems to be the trend, right? Where people want automated kiosks and touchscreens and stuff with self-service, which I think is great as an option, but it should never be a replacement for the option of human interaction because we're in the hospitality business, especially for a small property where you're trying to differentiate yourself. People need a unique experience and that is going to be driven exclusively through the human interaction mm-hmm. that they have with your staff. So don't use it as an opportunity to, hey, if I have these kiosks in my front desk, I don't need as many staff. Reallocate the staff to find ways for them to help improve the guest experience. Yep, exactly. And I say really kind of going right from there is what you'd expect the PMS to do. Make sure that it has robust rate management. This is where if you have an old you know, Y2K <laughs> booking uh, PMS, you're going to have problems because you don't have the ability to make those on-the-fly adjustments, tweak your rates, and be very nimble. And that is going to get you killed in this market. Yeah, I remember a day when, we, when I first started in the industry back in like 2001, and a lot of our clients would publish their rates in a, in a printed rate sheet. Right. And they'd, they'd have essentially maybe quarter by the quarter, mm-hmm. but it, it, they're, they're, they might have a weekly rate and a weekend rate. But it was all predetermined. It was all very static. There was no yielding. There was no adjustments for seasonality and, and things like that. It was crazy. And they're just leaving so much money and opportunity on the table. You know, using the, the, the rate as a, a lever to increase or decrease demand as, as things speed up and slow down is really critical today if you're going to maximize profit. Exactly. Kind of moving right from there is making sure that you have a channel management solution integrated or easily easily added to the PMS? Yeah, the good thing is a lot of these newer PMSs are really good at, at being open to integration. A lot of them will have published public APIs, which is essentially a fancy acronym for meaning other software can interact and, and trade data between them and the PMS. So all of the newer ones that we've worked with have been really, really good at saying, here's our API. It's going to be easy for you to integrate. So Exactly. Yeah. Because between, we've talked about many times in the past with Google Hotel ads, with obviously the OTAs, and all the other tools, TripAdvisor, that you can push your rate out to, the more integrated you are, the more ability you have to potentially drive that either direct booking or if you can't be, have a direct booking, at least you can have a booking. Yeah. And I, I think you've got to be careful because there's, there's always a trade-off, right, it, of looking at do I go with a single-source provider, i.e. the PMS can provide channel management, can provide a booking engine, can provide whatever I need. There's advantages to that, having having a, a one throat to choke when there's an <laughs> issue, right, or 
the fact that you know it's going to be more, maybe potentially more reliable. There's there's advantages, but there's trade-offs because PMS company by nature is good at building a PMS. That doesn't mean they're experts in user interface for a booking engine, or maybe they don't have the right resources. They certainly don't have their A plus developers on the channel management piece. So I, I'm I'm someone that would always encourage people to look at, at you know versus going as a single source solution. Look for a best in breed solution. So it's critical that it can integrate with as many products as possible. Because the reality is you might find the perfect PMS, but they might do a really bad job of channel management or booking engine. Mm -hmm. So being able to have the flexibility to plug in vendors like Fuel and others out there that can provide those products, I think is really important. Yep. I I think one of those products that people want to look at in advance also is their accounting systems. Does your PMS offer that accounting suite to make, to give you the ability to get out from behind the spreadsheets and the numbers and interact with your guest. I think that's a really key one because if you don't have that interaction and now you have a lot of workload just making the numbers work, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do what you need to be doing of being a hotelier. You're going to be stuck behind the desk. So make sure it has those integrations. Most of them do at this point. I think, like you mentioned earlier, any of the, the newer type platforms, it's almost a non-issue, but just make sure you know that going ahead. Mm-hmm. So. And then lastly, making sure it interacts with an amazing booking engine. I like the fuel booking like engine. like the fuel booking engine. It's a pretty good booking engine. You should check it out. So, And we are a bit biased, but... It doesn't suck. It, it doesn't suck, and unfortunately, that's a metric that you kind of have to look at when it comes to booking engines some I mean, days. I mean, the, the amount of suckage is probably the biggest KPI that you should care about yep. when it comes to booking engines. That is true. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's number one. That's number one. What's number two, 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 two? Number two, 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 two is to own your social voice. So this is, again, one of those ways that is zero to just a little bit of dollars. But make sure that you are engaging on your social channels. And we always talk about the importance of owned media, of the assets that you actually can control without having to you know, pay and pay and pay, and the importance of owning your owned media and being proactive. And that definitely includes Facebook, but also Instagram, YouTube, the other platforms that are out there that you've identified that your guests are using. And making sure, so you choose your platform, you find out the ones that you can truly commit to. Because I think that's probably the most important thing is saying, okay, I am on Facebook. And I'm not just passively monitoring Facebook. I'm on it, I'm engaged, and... I'm uh, spreading my brand and spreading my message through whatever those channels might be. Uh, Could be Instagram, could be YouTube. What is it they say? There's a catchy thing. If if you want to have a presence, you have to be present is what they say about social media. That sure makes sense. Because it's a conversation, right? And, And I think people, a lot of people still look at social media the wrong way. They look at it as a, a platform to put out generic content. And it really isn't it. It, it should be a place where you can put interesting, unique opinions and thoughts and content, but it should also be where you're engaging in dialogue with your customers as well. So that's why you have to be present if you have a presence. Yeah, and, and I think you have to be authentic because this is the relationship. This is where a relationship either begins or is extended from the person already staying at your property. And you want that to be a very seamless transition from... I've talked to and hung out with this 
hotel on Facebook for six months before I stayed there, you want to make sure that if you are a very refined historic property, then you're conveying that in so, your yeah. tone and how you communicate your comments and everything. But if you're a fun, you know, tourist destination or you're a little bit risque, that's how you should be. You know, don't have that disconnect between your brand personality at a brick and mortar location and, and online. So authenticity is critical there. Sure. Lastly, consistency is super important. I think we see too many people, and this is where I say choose your platforms, because I see too many people saying, oh, I'm going to be on Instagram, I'll be on Twitter, I'm going to do Snap, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And you can't do all of it well. And then all of a sudden it's like, then you have a customer send you a message, I don't on Tumblr, and you haven't looked at that <laughs> in years, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, my, my whole Tumblr plan is now falling apart. <laughs> yeah, so. you don't need a Tumblr strategy. That's no. okay. We promise it'll be okay if you don't. Yeah. So I, do the things you're doing well. If, if you focus on that, then it doesn't really matter what ones you're doing. And consistency is two things, right? It's consistency of um, the tempo, the cadence of, of publishing stuff, but it's also co consistency of the type of stuff that you're publishing. Don't Don't just kind of throw stuff out there and see what sticks like have a plan have a strategy and the types of content that um you see work do more of that like we, we've dabbled with a few things here but one of the ones we actually talked about today Brittany um handles a lot of our social media and uh she i'm, I'm airing our dirty laundry here guys if that's okay she was recently out on maternity leave and so our social presence probably took a little bit of a dip and we've seen a real impact because of that you know but one of the things she was doing effectively, because we're a B2B comp company, LinkedIn is a great channel, a social channel for us. Probably not for most hotels. But one of the things she was doing was taking um, either blog posts we'd written or some of the studies we'd done or podcast episodes and doing a hashtag Friday Fuel and creating a, like a little graphic snapshot of just a snippet of information to send out. And it was getting a ton of engagement, a ton of good feedback. But then we stopped it while she was, because she's the, the designer that was building those graphics too. And um, so it's, it's something that because we failed at being consistent, we lost out from a real business perspective, you know? So consistency is key, but it's both the, the, the amount you're pushing out and also the type of stuff you're pushing out. Mm -hmm. I, I would think from a, and this is true, social is such a big strategy and such a big tactic that you're using to drive business to your hotel and engage your guests. You need to do that, but this we're not going to go into the details here. There's tons of content that we've produced in the past. Uh, we have a couple links in the show notes, but then also the article that I wrote about this for 80 ideas for social media. Uh, we had episode 13 <clears throat> about the on the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast was why it's important for your hotel. So there's a ton of resources out there. So kind of use the show notes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll link there. to that in the show notes, which will be fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 134. And then Pete wrote an actual blog article about this as well. So we'll link to that yep. in, in the show notes as well. All right. Moving Number on. Three, 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 three. Oh. You want to read it? Uh, uh, I guess oh. I'll read it. <laughs> Get direct with your guest relationship through email. We love email here. We believe at Fuel that it's probably one of the most effective parts of marketing that a hotelier can do if it's done correctly. 
Yeah. So do it correctly. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about email specifically, but, I, you know, when I, Pete and I talked about this article earlier, we, we'd had a conversation about really, you know, on the bleeding edge of this is also SMS, is also push notifications. It's really any electronic form of communication. And you could even argue, really, that it's not just electronic. It could be outbound phone calls or phone mm-hmm. calls in general, right? So we're going to specifically hone in on, on email, but you can extrapolate what we're saying beyond email to really any touch point you have with the guest related to communication that's not face-to-face. Yeah, I think that's that's the key part is directly communicating with your guest and email or and really sticking with email now. This really the only way short of a phone call or a direct mail that you can proactively approach a potential guest who's not at your property. Social, that's somewhat of, from a paid perspective, you can. But if people aren't seeking you out at the moment, you're disconnected from them. An email gives you the ability to reach out to a guest when you feel like they're most likely to be interested in engaging with you and share what you have to say. I think the sharing what you have to say, that is the most important part because you want to make sure that you are giving them great value in your emails. I think consistency obviously goes to that as well, but always adding value so that when your customers get the email, that they're happy they did. They yeah. open it up, they read it, they click through to it and everything else. Yeah, I, I had a mentor in, in my early career that, that said, when you go to a, any meeting with a client, you should always take a gift. And they didn't mean like a physical gift. It was more of a metaphor. You should take something of value to that meeting that they're going to appreciate. And that could be, you know, some insight into some news. It could be some new data. It could be a new idea. It could be a physical gift. There's a lot of ways to do it. But you got you want to make sure that every client looks forward to that meeting because they're going to get value out of it. And the same is with your outbound communication. If your if your email strategy is, holy cow, it's, it's Thursday, we, we've got to get an email th- thrown together so we can send it out on Monday, then you're not doing it right. You've got to figure out what can I do to provide value to the guest in this message in the form of a deal, of news, of information, um, something that they're going to look forward to getting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of you know, a few kind of quick bullet points to kind of go through here. One is personalized. You're sending a message to a single person. It is a true one-to-one communication. It's not dear test. hotel guest or dear test. It's... Dear Stuart, dear Melissa, whatever it might be, and be personal. Make the rest, the entire content can be personalized to that person's information. Do you know that they like to stay oceanfront? Do they like to stay somewhere else? If you can engage that in a organic way in the email, do so. You'd also want to be authentic in that communication. So if on social you have a very risque personality, continue that right through to your email have that consistency of your your brand message that's the second time you said risque today i feel like you're feeling kind of risque yourself that's (laughs) the example you keep using (laughs) i'm trying to think of something else then i mean i wouldn't think that you were feeling risque if you weren't sitting there in a bustier but yeah hey Hey, i was told it's casual friday so i can wear what i want Someone, I met someone who was talking about the podcast recently, and they were talking about the episode where we were make, making out that you um, you were wearing a bikini in the episode. So apparently that people found that humorous. See? Or at least one person. Yeah. 
<laughs> or scarred one person with it. hundred percent of people yeah. I talked to about it said they liked it. So Well there you go. Yeah. So now that person who thought I was in a bikini now thinks I'm in something else. Yeah. So anyway. I'm not even really sure what that is. I just thought it was a funny word. So that's what we just did was offer value to that one person. Which is the next thing you should do from an email perspective is always offer value. Uh Gary Vaynerchuk has that great saying of give, 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 and then take. And I yeah. think that's really what we want to do from email and really in all of our marketing is give great value. If it's articles, if it's news, whatever it might be, give that to the customer in the email. And when it is time, then the customer's going to come back to you and want to purchase something or hit them with that, that sales mm-hmm. message. So that is incredibly important. And if you, if you go back to the episode we did on gift cards, we were talking about how you could use that concept to gift people you know ten dollars on their birthday off of a a state or whatever it is so i mean sometimes it can be something of tangible value but other times it could be you know something that gives them social credit so if you're providing information to them that's new that they can then share with their friends their family that makes them elevated from a status perspective or, or be seen as someone that is the holder of new knowledge that, that can be a gift as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be financial. Absolutely. And then lastly, from an email perspective, is your guests are reading their emails on their phones. Plan on... What? But no. Uh, <clears throat> everyone uses their desktop. I mean, I personally, I, I use my phone all the time, mm-hmm. right? But everyone else is Yeah, hotel is customers different. are different from humans. Yeah. <laughs> they're definitely how they not. Interact, well, yeah. they're, they're just numbers, right? Because they're in a database. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Customer eight hundred nine seventy three. Yeah, he yeah. is going to open up his yeah. Outlook and view the email. That's right. So we shouldn't have to say this, but we have to say this literally every podcast. Your customers are on mobile devices. They're consuming emails from their phone to their watches to their traditional desktop. So be make sure that your messages are formatted properly for for however your customer wants to consume the data when they want to consume it. Yeah. That's number three. Cool. <coughs> All right. Number four. Four, four. Number four is to maximize your free exposure. That sounds really cheap. It's free. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Free, 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 free. Yeah. And then we talked about the marketing on a shoestring. If you don't have to spend money for marketing, you can take that money and spend it elsewhere. And you can also just make sure you're making the most of your sweat equity by doing a few key things that really help from a marketing perspective. The very first one is make sure that your business listings are claimed and optimized. That's so important. <coughs> and it, it really it's is. simple, too. Yeah. So, I was at, at an HSMI meeting yesterday, and it was a panel discussion. There was someone from Verbo, um, Booking.com, and Airbnb were, were talking. And they kept reinforcing. Like People were asking, well, like, what are some advice you could give? And they repeatedly kept going back to content, 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 and talking about on each of their platforms how people still aren't optimizing. You need to go everywhere you have a footprint on the entire internet, starting with Google My Business and and then going from there. But make sure that your photos are great, everything's great. Because what a lot of people do is when they start a property or they get into it, they'll go and and make sure they're everywhere, but they'll do the minimum. They'll put up a couple Mm -hmm. of photos and check a couple of amenities. Now you need to go back and spend you know solid hours on each platform looking for ways to maximize and optimize exactly what you can do. And, and 
you know what the Verbo person said, um, Melissa? What did they say? This might get your goat a little bit. Uh-oh. They said you have to put photos of the bathroom on every listing. My issue is not the bathroom, it's the toilet. Yeah, that, that was what I said. We were talking about it earlier because someone there listens to the show and we're saying about how you had this issue with the toilets. I said, well, maybe you should just sit on or stand on the toilet <laughs> to take the photo of the bathroom. But the point they said is, and this is data from from Verbo, so Expedia, they said that females especially pay a lot of weight to the the bathroom because they tend to travel with a lot of stuff. So the amount of counter space around the sink is really important to females. So that was an insight. I am obviously not a typical female. Mm-hmm. Just just pixelate out the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> just blur it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just have a big blurry thing there. Yeah. But uh, and, like, and like you said, go back and review your listings you've already optimized because just like you're optimizing for your property, Google My Business is also optimizing their My Business platform. Mm-hmm. They add new features. They change things. Customers might you know, suggest different edits to your business. It's very important that you go through those and continually refresh them. Yeah, you should. We talked about having audits and having a... Mm-hmm. a you know, checklist of audits that you go through quarterly, monthly, weekly. We've done episodes on that in the past. The These third-party profiles need to be a part of your audit process yep. that you need to go through at a minimum quarterly, I would say. And Google maybe even more frequently than that because there are things like FAQs on there now where people are posting questions. But certainly there are reviews, things like that. So you've got to be constantly responding to that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, once you have your business listings claimed, Google, TripAdvisor, Microsoft, Bing, OTAs, all of them. Mm-hmm. Next thing is... Say Microsoft and Bing? Microsoft slash Bing. Okay. So I have Bing and then Microsoft in parentheses. Okay. People couldn't see me doing my parentheses. Your air, your air quote things. Not air, air quotes, quote, air parentheses. Air parentheses. Yeah. That's a new thing. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I just made that one up too. Awesome. <clears throat> Next one is to stay engaged locally. There's a lot of value to just being an active member of your... Community. community. Yeah. Because as a hotelier, that's all we do is we try to build community and to do that locally because there's so many opportunities from charities to attending chamber meetings and finding out how you can help to creating your own events to drive demand. But use your local community to make the most out of your hotel marketing. There's tons of value there. So At least once a year, every hotel should hold a business after hours in their local community Mm -hmm. to get people into the property because you know these people are going to influence other people that are coming to to that destination and the more they're tethered they're tied to your property the more familiar they are the more likely they are to reference it so give people and you know they're not necessarily your target audience but they're going to influence people that are your target audience everybody who lives someplace typically has somebody come visit them at some point yeah and if your hotel's top of mind, then you've got that word of mouth. That's so valuable. Yep. Lastly is to really maximize your social reach. And this kind of goes back up to number two on our list is engaging past and potential guests on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever that might be. But always being there to answer questions. And that goes back to Hilton Helps was a great example of where that was effective on Twitter is somebody asks a question about a destination, boom, they pop in very quickly and answer it. If it was about the property or not, it really doesn't matter so much. 
you're there helping and that's going to be helpful for the guest. Yeah, and it, it goes beyond just like a t traditional social <laughs> channel. Look at even forums, right? So if TripAdvisor has some great forums where people are asking questions about destinations, go get active in those communities. Be helpful. Be a resource for people. Be the authority. Absolutely. And if you do all those things from a free perspective, it gets you the good base of occupancy, hopefully. It creates that brand awareness where you can make so much more out of your all your paid media as well. Mm -hmm. And that kind of takes us right into number five, 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 five. <clears throat> which is, excuse me, pay attention to your competition. If you're a small property, and this is even more so for small, small properties, look at what the competition is doing and don't blindly copy what they're doing, but see what they're doing that works for you and see what they're doing that's going to change your strategy. I see this very often with small properties who... Stuart, to your original point where they had rate cards. And this one property was trying to figure out why they always had a problem with demand at a certain period of time. And when you looked at the market as a whole, all of a sudden, from an ADR perspective, they were way out of, out of whack because they weren't paying attention to what the competition was doing. Conversely, there was also times where they had their inventory way underpriced. And neither there, situation's good. Right. I mean, either with situation you're kind of losing because you could have had a higher rate or you could have had occupancy you need later on. So right. look at what the competition is doing. And obviously, it's incredibly important that you pay attention to your rate structure. Look at their rate structure as well and see what you might be missing. Obviously, don't blindly follow. But if you notice that the, the Marriott in your property all of a sudden drops rate at a certain period of time, they have a giant staff and they have looked into that. See why it is. So use that as the clue to go back and look at your rates and see if you need to adjust. Same thing with the OTAs and the flags. What are they doing that works really well? Either from a rate perspective, but then really beyond that, on the website perspective. You may not have you know, a team of people like Melissa where you can do A-B testing and constantly tweaking and trying new things. Look at what they're doing. How are they moving the customer through the booking funnel? What are they using to create that urgency? And how can you do something similar to make sure that if a guest comes to your property, that they, they stay and they go through the booking process? This <coughs> one's my favorite. I think out of all of them is to go take a trip. Go to your competitor's property and see what's going on. Yep. How does it feel? How's the staff? Exactly. What's the interaction? How are the customers you know read their expressions listen to them yeah. what's going well and i think we we get stuck in our offices way too much yeah that you know going out visiting your competition or even just going on a physical trip to a property in another destination and seeing how that experience interacts with or how you interact with that experience mm -hmm. do you like the trip did you not like it did you find it annoying that you had to wait in line five people deep to get your key. If that's happening there, then ask yourself, is this happening to my guests when they're at my property? Mm -hmm. Yeah, putting yourself in the consumer's shoes is, is tough <laughs> at your own property, but it, it's definitely easy if you get out and go visit someone else's. And, and there's a lot of benefits to that. Not only can you gain insight from a consumer perspective, you may come across like a little nugget of something that they do operationally that you don't that adds a little bit of surprise and delight to, to the stay. You might come across a staff member there that is so outstanding 
that you could go up to them and say, hey, we'd, we'd love to um, consider you for a position with our property. So get out there. Go shop it around. This one property that, <coughs> excuse me, that I was just visiting, it was very cool. So they have these little teeny stuffed animals, like almost like little keychain size stuffed animals that they give to any kid that's there during the check-in. Mm-hmm. And it was one that was like, it's Did you get one? I got two for my kids, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so you didn't have kids with you at the time, but you took No, but I say, can I grab, I need to grab two. Yeah. Cause I have, I have two what, what people don't know is you don't actually have kids. You just took them for yourself. That's true. I have a whole collection now. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's one of those little things that whole surprise and delight. But it, it's great. The kids were happy that we're out to check in, waiting to check in. They're bored staying next to mm-hmm. their parents. And all of a sudden, here's two stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. And they, their face lit up and they were happy. And it was just the very first thing on a very memorable vacation for that family. Yeah, and we all know anyone that's traveled as a family, the most stressful part is is getting there, getting checked in, getting to the room, and getting settled, right? That, that's, that can make or break a vacation. And especially the shorter vacations, right? I think this was an insight that came from uh, Flip2 a few years ago with the data that they were looking at about what impact the um, a negative experience had on their ultimate rating of the stay. And so a lot of people would say, okay, if, if something went wrong or something wasn't great in someone's stay, then we should make sure we take care of the longer term guests, like the seven night, the 14 night stays, because they're more valuable, right? Those mm-hmm. are the priority. But what they actually found out was those people, you have a bigger time to recover and they're more forgiving because they've been there long, long, longer. But the folks that are only staying two or three nights or one night, that that experience is critically important because if they have a bad time there as a, as a percentage of their overall experience, mm-hmm. it's bigger and it's going to have more of an, a long-term impact on them and their, their rankings. So obviously you should try to make it good for everyone, but especially the ones that are staying for a night or two, if you can make that initial experience of checking in great and frictionless and enjoyable and you know surprise and delight them that can have a massive impact beyond their stay because now it has implications to their reviews which impacts your online reputation which we know from all the studies can impact your adr and on occupancy and all that stuff yep little things at check-in especially make such a big difference and that's why some hotels do cookies you know because who doesn't like a cookie Nobody. Nobody <clears throat> does not like a cookie. All right. That was number five, but we do have oh, a bonus. Oh, so it was the top five, so we're done, right? We're done. Well, we actually have a bonus. <gasps> Shock, car, surprise, and delight. And this goes back to the beagle bed and breakfast. <laughs> Own the you that makes you. So what is your unique selling point? If you have a bed and breakfast that looks like a beagle, then that is your unique position. Own it and fully embrace it and just go 100% in on that. Yeah, that's who you are from a social perspective, from an email perspective, from Instagram, whatever else it might be. Make that who you are because you're a small property. You only have a limited number of rooms to fill. You want to fill those with the guests who value what you offer the most. Yeah. And we're not saying everyone has to go super extreme. Like in their case, I think they did the right thing by saying – everything is beagle themed right the, the person that created this obviously loves beagles and feels like there's an opportunity there the the decor is beagle themed like they could easily have said well 
not everyone loves beagles. Some might like other breeds. So let's put some other dogs. And oh well, some people like cats. So let's put some cat <laughs> stuff. You know, no and, cats. And oh Wrong. well, maybe some people don't like animals. So let's put some humans in there. There's a lot of ways that <laughs> could have gone. That could have gone wonky, right? But it didn't. They leaned into it and they owned it, and that's great. And I think if if you're going in that extreme direction, you got to go 100. percent But you can also be novel and different in other ways. Like I've seen. Rather than turning the whole property into something where some hotels just have one or two rooms that are themed a certain way and they demand a different ADR. Like we've seen a lot of hotels do the pink room, or something mm-hmm. like that, where a percentage of the, the revenue goes to uh, breast cancer research or something like that. Right. So you, you can be novel and different without going over the top, but just own whatever it is that you want to do. And, and it's a lot easier to do that if you're passionate about what it is. Like if right. you're a breast cancer survivor it's or you have been affected by breast cancer, which I feel like most people have at this point, you're going to be more passionate and more behind and more authentic when you're talking about the fact you have this pink room and why you're doing it. So find something that, that matters to you. Like if I had a hotel, I would totally want to do some kind of sci-fi or Star Wars themed room, right? Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Disney has apparently stolen that idea and they're building this whole Star Wars resort. But, you know, Pete did it, it would probably be a bee-themed room where there's dead bees everywhere because he murders <laughs> bees. You get stung right? when you're there. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa, what would your themed room or hotel be? It, probably it, the Beagle it, would probably already be it. No, I'd do some music thing. Yeah? Yeah. How about guitar-shaped hotel? I don't play the guitar. How about, <laughs> about clarinet-shaped hotel? See, that could be fun. Yeah. It's like tower-like. Uh, yeah, like I, I wasn't thinking going up. I was just thinking about it going along like a motel. Yeah, along. Like one, oh. one room per floor. <laughs> one room per floor. They're all, <laughs> rent, they're all circular rooms. Yeah. That could yeah. be fun. That would be neat. Sounds like an architectural nightmare, but what do if, I know? If you don't want to do that, let's just say that you're a big beer fan. I and am you a big have, beer. you know, a bar downstairs. And maybe you have just a really good craft beer or two on tap. That could be your thing. It doesn't have to be massive, like you said, but in your emails, Talk about the most recent beer that you had. You know, make that email topical beyond the guest brief little stay at your property. Yeah. And then and then merchandise it. Have campaigns around it and have packages like a beer and breakfast and bed and beer or whatever yeah. it is kind of a, a package. We see people do that where it's you get the room and you get two, three draft beers or whatever mm-hmm. per night. So definitely, I think that's a great idea. So That's the bonus. So you be, be you. And everything will be okay. B U. Okay. I thought you were trying to spell bonus wrong. Oh no. No, it's it's B O N U S. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Well there you have it. That was a good episode, Pete. And Thanks. now that it has numbers and everything, it's it is ready for the world to see. It is ready. Yeah. We had we have some housekeeping. We do have some housekeeping to talk about. So first up, we, we already talked about this on last week's episode, but we're gonna be at the Navigate conference put on by Navis. It's gonna be in San Antonio. March 2nd through the 4th. Man, there's a lot of really killer content. It's one of those that has three tracks. Um, and it, it's three-day conference, but there's so much content for everyone. So it's the kind of thing that you should probably go with a, someone else from your team because there's going to be times when you're going to want to be in two places at once. So, for example, Lauren Gray, friend of the show, who does this week in hospitality marketing, is talking about, um, I forget what his topic is, but he's going to be talking at the same time I am 
on tech stack stuff. So people are going to be want to be in both of those places at the same time. But there's a, all day, every day, there's three tracks and some really good speakers at that event. So that's the Navigate Conference by Navis. If you go to navis.com, we'll link to that in the show notes. There's still a few tickets left, although it's getting close to being sold out. We'll be there speaking and we'll have a little table there so you can come talk to the Fueligans if you're interested in any of our products, our booking engine, our mobile app, our CRM, our marketing services, or if you need a new website. That's all the kind of stuff that we can help you out with. So we'll be there at Navigate. And if you're not going to Navigate, you can find out about all that stuff at fueltravel.com as well. Will there be bottle openers? Well, there will be bottle, bottle openers. At the thing. Yeah. So if you like beer or just bottles and you like opening them... <laughs> then you can we've use solved a fuel. your problem we, we have we've invented this solution called a bottle opener with the fuel logo on it uh, we also other housekeeping we had some listener feedback we did i am going to apologize in advance if i butcher your name but salise said to us I... can you say her full name because i have something to say about her full name does she want her full name said ah <clears throat> yeah salise caldwell womble Yes. And I'll tell you why I like that the Womble part of that in a second. So go ahead. I found out about your podcast at the Direct Booking Summit in Miami. I drove from Dallas to Houston on Sunday and listened to four podcasts. I'm addicted. Thank you so much for great content. Awesome. How about that? Well, thank you, Celise, for joining the Fueligan family. We're glad to have you. Uh, you've only got 130 more episodes to catch up on. But, you know. There's plenty more road trips, I'm sure, that you will take to, to learn something. Well, I do have a bone to pick with it, though. So the, the direct booking summit was in, like, last year, what was it, November, maybe? Sure. And now, now she's just doing this now? I mean, hey, that incubation period, come on, Celise. People have busy lives. I know. I'm just teasing. We're, just, we're glad you found us eventually. Spread the love. Tell other people. And I love her last name because Wombles... In England, there's this show called The Wombles, and there's these little creatures. <laughs> Google it. Go ahead and Google it right now. They were these weird little dudes, but um, it had the best theme tune. So in England, you know the Wimbledon um, tennis tournament, oh, yeah. right? Sure. So in, in Wimbledon, it's an area of London. There's this place called Wimbledon Common, which is like a big park area. So they were the Wombles of Wimbledon Common, and they live underground, over, oh, overground, wombling free. And the whole thing is they live by collecting the trash that other people leave behind. So, But I loved it as a kid. So when I saw <laughs> Salisa's name was Womble, I was like super excited. This came out in 1973. You weren't even born yet. I was not. I was. But I did not live in England. Mm -mm. So now I'm sad. You can probably watch the Wombles on YouTube, I would imagine. There are some videos and they look amazing. Yeah. Un it Uncle Bulgaria was the, the main character. On just very small images this looks like fraggle rock to me which i also love yeah it's not as wacky they're a little more slow and mm. subdued than than fraggle rock you know fraggle, if you put if you put the wombles on acid you'd probably get <laughs> fraggle rock okay yeah something to look forward to yeah so there so thank you and if you would like to leave us a note that one came in through linkedin from sleaze if you want to leave us a review we would love to get that that helps us somehow magically with the algorithms show up and more people but again if you're not so inclined you don't want to go leave a review you don't want your name shouted out just go ahead and tell a co-worker tell someone else in the industry about us and share the love that's word of mouth is how things spread and if you enjoy the show you get something out of it 
we would really appreciate it if you go tell someone else about it because that makes us happy. So there. Alrighty. Well, any any other things you guys want to get off your chest today? Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. If you see a robbery at, at an Apple store, what does that make you? I don't know. An eyewitness. <laughs> Pete's just shaking over there. He's not even laughing out loud. We haven't had a dad joke in a while. I, I thought we were due. I appreciate that. Well, if you want the notes to today's show, you can do so by going to fueltravel.com, click on episode, actually fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 134. And Pete, if they want to find you somewhere on the interwebs, where would they do such a thing? On Twitter at PDMAO, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa? I'm on Twitter at M.A. Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H, although people have been finding me on Twitter all by themselves. On Twitter or LinkedIn? Uh, sorry, LinkedIn, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's, it, I think, you know, our demographic audience, a lot of them aren't active on Twitter, so yeah. we probably need to tell them where they find <laughs> us on LinkedIn, which usually you just Google our name and you'll, you'll find us. Yes. So, or, or Fuel, if you go to the Fuel page, you can see the employees and, and find us, if they remember our names. Because like last week, we were said, the Beatles. a lot of people don't remember our names. But that's Melissa. I'm Stuart. That's Pete. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Beatles did a kids show. It does sound like the it's Beatles. Very sing. I was Beatles googling. Did the me. Beatles sing the Wimbledon? <laughs> this is very Beatlesque.